we're going to be doing tonight is, is continuing on uh, the Being Church series that we've been doing by looking at what it means to, to be a Bible-loving church. Um, the, the first line of the vision statement of this church, which you'll have heard John and Debbie share so many times, is that God has called us to build a, a growing, regional, biblically-based church in Nottingham. And this church has been, over the last 19 and nearly 20 years, been, been, been built on, on the foundation of the Bible. In fact, I gather that, that John symbolically laid a Bible into the concrete foundations of this structure when it was, when it was first being built, which, for me, as, a, as an ex-civil engineer, leaves me with some question marks about the structural integrity of this place. Um, but as a member of this church, it gives me a great deal of comfort about the, the spiritual integrity of this place. But I guess if you are visiting here today, um, or if you're exploring faith, you might be inclined to ask, well, well, why? Why is the Bible so important? What is it about this, this ancient book that's, that's so important or, or relevant or, or useful in this modern day and age? I don't know what your experience of the Bible is. Um, I remember, um, for me, growing up, I had some exposure to the Bible, um, but what, what I did have a lot of exposure to was books. We were like a, a reading family. There was bookcases in every room in our house, except for like the toilet, although there was one right outside the toilet, if you know what I mean. And there were books everywhere. And um, there were some books that I wasn't that interested in, like my mum's Mills and Boons. But um, I remember in the living room, there were these um, old leather books um, that I liked to get out and, and, and play with them sometimes and have a look at them. One of them was the, the complete works of Shakespeare. There was another one called A Ready Reckoner. Does anybody know what A Ready Reckoner is in here? In the morning service, loads of people knew what A Ready Reckoner was. Um, it's basically like an old-fashioned, um, before digital times, a, like a calculator in book form with all these tables of numbers, one of those. And then the other one, of course, was, was a Bible. And I remember getting the Bible out and, and, and having a look at it, and I found it really amusing that there was a section in it called Job. I didn't know what that was about. Um, but to me, all of these books, they seemed, they might as well have been 500 years old to me, all of them, because I had no idea how old they were. They just seemed totally outdated, relics of a, of a bygone era. And of course, if we switch on a few decades, I guess it's probably safe to say I was, I was right about the Ready Reckoner. Um, I don't think... Uh, they're going to make a comeback against the digital devices of the day. Sorry if you've, if you've still got one in your pocket. Um, Shakespeare. Is Shakespeare outdated and irrelevant in our day and age? Well, I guess it's debatable. It's all a bit wasted on me, but I'm, I'm, I don't want to offend anybody who's an English lover here who, who pretends to like Shakespeare. But, <laughs> but the Bible is different, because whether you are a person of faith or not, um, no, there's no denying it's an utterly remarkable book. It's more popular than it ever has been. The Guinness Book of Records cites it as the most popular, um, best-selling book in the world. It's been translated, um, the New Testament's been translated into over a thousand languages. The, the whole Bible has been translated into over 500 languages um, compared to Harry Potter's 68. Um, over five billion people have access to the whole of the Bible in their mother tongue, and there are projects going on to translate it for everybody. And, you know, I could go on telling you facts like that, incredible stuff about the Bible, all evening tonight. But that's not really the point of what I'm trying to say, because 
today we're not so much asking what do we know or what do we think about the Bible. I'd rather stir up and engage your emotions and ask you how, do you, how do you actually feel about the Bible? When I say the word Bible, how does it make you feel? Do you, and would you say that you love it? Do you love this book? You know, there, I'm sure there are many of you here in this room who've, who've been Christians for many years and you've probably got dog-eared Bibles that have been read and reread. But I'd love you to consider tonight, as you reflect on this current season of your life, are you as love, as in love with the Bible as you always have been? Or perhaps to ask it another way, if your Bible could speak out loud to you, would it tell you that it feels loved by you? Would your Bible say, oh yeah, she, she never puts me down? Would your Bible say, oh yeah, he, he, he reads me every day? Or would your Bible be more likely to say, well, I see her on Sundays, or you know, I see him on small group night, but not so much through the week? I mean, personally, I'd say that I'm, I wouldn't call myself a great Bible scholar or a theologian. I don't know all the Greek and all the Hebrew, nor am I somebody who finds it totally effortless to read. It takes a bit of discipline. It takes effort. And, and I'll admit there are some weeks where I'm more committed to reading my Bible than others. Um, but I do believe that I am a Bible lover. I do love to read it. And I love to read it to my kids. And I, and I long for them to grow up loving this book too. And the thing that I want to share with you tonight um, that I love about the Bible, I think most of all, and I think it's something for all of us that would be helpful to take away, is, is either a, a reminder or, or a revelation that this book um, is alive. To go away, just being reminded what we're holding in our hands when we pick up a Bible. Because, you know, in physical terms, this might look like any other book. It might, you know, it looks a lot like other religious teachings, for example, and, and that's the way some people see it. But I believe that, that its humble appearance masks the fact that this book is in a totally different category of its own. It says of itself in, in Hebrews chapter 4, for the word of God is alive and active, is sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. This book is alive. It's, um, it's a lifeline that we can cling onto and lead us into freedom. It defines a template um, for a lifestyle. And I believe it's also, and this is the first point that I wanted to make, a, a source of life for us. Throughout this book, um, there's this link between God's word and life. Um, you notice it right at the start in the book of, of Genesis, in chapter 1, when we're hearing about how the universe was created, there's this phrase that gets repeated, and God said, and God said, and God said. And every time he says something, stuff is just created. When he created the stars, he didn't wave a wand, he spoke them into being. When he created the beasts of the field, he didn't click his fingers, he spoke and they were just, and they were. And if you read on into the Bible um, and you get to the stories of Jesus' life, in John's Gospel, there's this deliberate echo of the Gospel accounts um, to emphasize, I think, the importance of God's voice, his message in the creation of all things and, and the birth of, of life. So in, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And if you read on a couple of verses, um, we learn that the word, this word that it's talking about, became flesh and, and walked among us. It turns out that, that the word is Jesus. Um, the, the word that they're using to say word is this word, Greek word logos, which means like the speech, um, the voice of God. And so a way of looking at it is that if the Bible is like um, the word of God written down on paper, um, then Jesus, he is the word of God um, brought to us uh, in, the vo- in, the, in the voice and the message of a person. And these two things, Jesus and the Bible, they're intertwined because, of course, well, not, maybe not of course, you may not be, know this, but Jesus is really at the center of the Bible storyline. Um, the Old Testament tells us about the concealed Jesus who is coming. The, the New Testament tells us about the revealed Jesus who came. And when he came, he, he explained to everybody, he said, um, you study the scriptures, he's talking about the Old Testament, diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life, but these are the very scriptures that testify about me. And then a little while later in John's gospel, Jesus was teaching them again, and he explained um, in chapter six, verse 63, the words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. The words they said were life. And, and even the word that he used there, spirit, it's the same word that's used in the Bible to talk about the Holy Spirit. And it also echoes the word that was used to describe the, the breath that God um, breathed into Adam's body in the Genesis account to give humans life. And so Jesus was really emphasizing my words, which are, which are carried to us here on these pages. They carry the breath of God. They're, they're life-giving. They're filled with life. And, and we believe that in the same way, this entire book, not just Jesus' teachings, has been breathed out by God. It contains, you know, 66 different books written by 40 different authors, but, but one author who inspired every word. And, and that's, the, that's the way the Bible talks about itself. As you're reading through it, time and time again, it says, the Lord says this, or it might say, this is what the Lord says. And when you read the account of, of Jesus' life, he was, when he, whenever he talked about the Old Testament, the Old Testament scriptures, he talked about them having authority. And he talked about them as the words, God's words. And in New Testament, it's also clear that the people who wrote the, the letters, they realized that they were writing stuff that wasn't just their own words, it was words from God. That's the way Paul described his teachings. And Peter, um, he described Paul's letters as, as scripture. He gave them the same authority as the Old Testament. So the, the picture I'm trying to build here, I guess the thing I'm trying to say is that the Bible talks about itself as the word of God. And because of that, we believe that its words, they carry that spirit, that life-giving breath of God. And that is the thing um, that sets this book apart from any other in the world in the universe. Now, every time we do um, like an alpha course here, um, which is this course for people who are exploring faith, we talk about this kind of stuff. And and then there's always somebody at this point who who will point out a slight glitch in the logic at this point, because they'll say, so hang about, why do you believe that this is the word of God? And then we'll answer, well, because it says it's the word of God. And they say, right. And you can kind of see what they're thinking, can't you? And perhaps some of you are thinking it right now. Just because something says something about itself, 
that doesn't mean it's necessarily true, does it? So, for example, if you were to go to some, like a market stall somewhere and buy a pair of Armani jeans for five pounds, you could be pretty confident that no matter what the label said, they probably weren't Armani. So why is it that we take the Bible at, at face value when it, when it claims to be the word of God? Well, I believe that we, 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 we take it at face value not simply because of what it says, but because it has this prove, proven track record over 2,000 years of church history of, of having the power to, to transform people's lives. It's also proved itself as a stable platform for society and community and laws to be built around. You know, and every time we do a baptism here, for example, at a church, we hear the story of yet more people's lives who have been set free by the transformational power of the, of the message in this book. People meet Jesus through reading the Bible. And the Holy Spirit brings knowledge of Jesus to people through the words of the Bible. Um, just to kind of give you a little example, I just really would love to welcome Shino, um, just to tell us a little bit of, of how he encountered this, the Bible. Let's welcome him. Hey, mate. Um, so, um, Shino, so at this point in this little story, um, you weren't a Christian at this point in your life, were you? But your wife had come to faith in Jesus, I think. Yes. So tell us, how, how did that happen? How, how did you feel? Uh, my wife, Shania, she became Christian by dreams. She's seen uh, Jesus Christ uh, on a dream. Uh, one night, she, she watched a video uh, about beheading a man. And uh, that time, she was a uh, Muslim. And, uh, you know, she became angry and uh, very sad. And she sought Allah in Islam, and uh, she cried out to him. And she went to bed that, that night. And... Uh, Instead of Allah, Jesus Christ revealed himself to her. <laughs> and uh, he said to her, I am the way, the life, and the truth. No, man, no, no one comes to the Father except through, through me. And uh, he showed her uh, heaven and uh, telling her, this is the place that I prepared for everyone who believes in me and my word. Wow. So how did you... This must have come as a bit of a shock. How did you feel about that? Uh, I reacted very angrily and very strongly, you know, and I knew the consequence of uh, following Christ and leaving Islam and converting to Christianity. It's very costly and very dangerous. And I advised her to, to denounce or, or, you know, take it back. But she was very committed and uh, became strong uh, in her faith, following Christ. And then, so um, skipping on a little bit of time, that, that then there came a point where your, your daughter wanted to, to go to church as well. Mm. Um, what, ha what happened then? Yes, um, one night when I came from work and uh, sitting in the, in the living room, uh, my, wife, uh, my daughter and uh, my son, in age 11 and 12, they came downstairs and uh, they asked their mom if they could follow her to the church in the morning. The last time I knew them, they were, they were Muslims. <laughs> And uh, I said, no, you're not going to church because you are Muslims and I am Muslim, but only your mom can go to church. And uh, my daughter said, you know, she quoted a verse from the Bible saying, Dad, you know, Jesus said, if someone denies me before uh, men, I will deny him before my heavenly father. So she said, we're not denying Christ and we, we want to go to church. Wow. So, and how did those words have an impact on you in that moment? Yeah, um, th there were very strong words, and uh, I couldn't believe it. In one sense, that, you know, 
uh, that touched my heart. And I never believed that my daughter in that age would say such a strong and powerful words. And the other sense that, touched, uh, that changed my mind of uh, reading the Bible in another way of, you know, seeking the truth and uh, the right way. So that is, uh, that's what happened. And so for you, how, you ended up giving your life to Jesus? Yes, um, this word is, they impacted me in all my life, and uh, they led me, you know, to, to read uh, the Bible. And uh, by reading the Bible wholeheartedly and uh, in the eye of uh, seeking the truth. So I read the Bible, and uh, I found Jesus, I found salvation, and I found Christ as uh, my, 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 my leader and my God. Wow, that's amazing. Thanks. Oh, yeah, sorry, you know, uh, got, no, wait a second. Sorry. So I, w- I would love to say just uh, the, uh, the Bible is uh, the living word of God, and uh, it is very powerful, and it gives us uh, all things we need pertaining life and godliness, and it's worth to read it, it's worth to, to follow it, because it is a living word of God that gives us life as well. Thank you. Thank so you. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Amazing. You. you know, this it's, it's not just a book, is it? These aren't just words. They're alive and sharper than any double-edged sword. Sharp enough, sharp enough to cut right through um, the tension of that situation. Sharp enough right to cut through the cultural pressures that Shino felt and speak into, directly into the heart of a man who now, seven years on, is totally sold out to sharing the gospel with um, Somalian people who don't know Jesus yet. These words are alive and they're active and they're transformational and they will change your life if you pick the book up off the shelf and read it. And this is where the elephant comes into the room. Um, Gandhi said, you Christians, look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn planet, but you treat it as though it's nothing more than a piece of literature. It's quite a challenging accusation, isn't it? But, but I think he probably had a point. You know, let's say if, if, if aliens um, had been observing you for the last two weeks on a mission to discover, you know, what it is that, that humans value and treasure and the things that influence them, would they, have, having, having had observed you, report back to their alien overlord, you know, this person seems to be they just keep referring back to this little book all the time. That seems to be the thing to them that is a source of guidance and assurance and clarity. That seems to be the thing that they love. Or would they be more likely to say, they seem to be accountable um, and, and draw on the resource of these little screens that they carry around in their pockets? Because the reality is that, um, you know, let's be honest about it, many of us, we spend far more time on social media than we do um, reading the Bible. We seek first the counsel of, of Google before we seek first the counsel of the, of the Holy Word. And we, and we look for sustenance and fulfillment in a life of, of consumerism. You know, we live in a culture, I think, that, that has such a, an abundance of, of comfort and, and content, and we live in such a time of peace. And those are great things, but I, I think they go some way to stifling some of our appetite for the life-giving power of, of, of God's word. And I say all of this, I don't wanna make anybody feel guilty in any way because I say this to challenge myself as much as, as any of you here today. Um, but a little while ago, I was reading about the story of this Chinese 
um, Christian leader called Brother Yun, who some of you might have heard of. And according to his personal testimony, he, he grew up in China, lived through the Cultural Revolution there. And so he was living in you know, a communist um, state. And he came to faith dramatically um, when his mum, similar situation, had a vision of Jesus in the middle of the night. And um, at the time, his dad was dying of lung cancer. They prayed for him. He was completely healed. And so the family, they, they gave their life to Jesus on the basis of that. And his mum started an underground house church in their home. And at that time, they, they, they were aware that Jesus' teachings had been recorded in the Bible, but they hadn't seen a Bible. They didn't know anybody who, would be, who was willing to even be brave enough to show them a bit of a Bible. And so at this point, Brother Yun, he'd heard about fasting and he'd heard about pre- praying. So he decided to fast, and he fasted for 100 days um, for a Bible. He, just, well, he, he, ate, he ate one little bowl of steamed rice a day for 100 days. And during that time, his yearning for a Bible made him so emotional that his family thought he was losing his mind. He described it as the most difficult thing he'd ever endured. And this is somebody who, who later in life was persecuted and imprisoned for his faith. But then after 100 days, one night he had a vision. And in the vision, there was, um, he met three men, a man with two servants, and they, they, they gave him a Bible in this red bag. And the vision was so vivid that when he woke up, he started frantically searching the house, and his family just thought, oh, he's completely lost the plot now. And then they heard a knock at the door, and there was these two men there. Um, He recognized them from the vision. They were the same people, and of course, they were carrying a red bag with a Bible in it. It turns out that the man that he'd seen in the vision was an evangelist um, from another town who had been persecuted for his faith, but God had, had spoken to him in the night through a vision and told him to send a Bible to this house for this person. Now, nowadays, in this culture, if we want a Bible, we just go to a bookshop, or we just download um, an app, don't we? We don't realize sometimes what a privilege, what a precious gift the Bible is. And, um, you know, for, for Brother Yun, even though he could hardly read when he got, got that Bible, it became his top priority to read it. He immediately started reading it, and as soon as he had, he started memorizing a chapter a day, and in 28 days, he memorized Matthew's Gospel. Now, if you're feeling a bit sort of like lame about your Bible reading after that, I am as well, um, because the, the truth is, I... I I I struggle um, with this discipline of reading the Bible every day. Um, I spend quite a lot of time looking at the Bible as part of my job here, but if I'm really honest with you, something that I find a challenge is to have the discipline to to read the Bible every day for my own personal devotional walk with God. Apparently, um, you can read the Bible from front to back in about 80 to 100 hours. But the last time I tried to do Bible in a year, it took me four years. Um, it's not brilliant, is it? But I think partly because when I, I, I sort of like, if I read a little chunk, I, I get really into it and get distracted. But also I do just lack discipline sometimes. But the thing that I can testify to is that in the years that I have been a Christian, the most fulfilling seasons of my life have been the seasons where I've really got into a groove with my Bible reading. Those are the seasons of my life where I've found myself falling deeper and deeper in love, not just with this book, Um, but with Jesus, as he's revealed himself um, to me through it and as the Holy Spirit has has done work in me as I've been reading it. So I just wanted to big that up, really. This book is a source of life. It's life-giving, and by not reading it, um, we're just missing out. The second thing that I wanted to say is that it's also 
a lifeline, like a, like a rope um, thrown out to somebody who is drowning. These words have the power to save us. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. These words of the Bible are, are, are a thing that we can cling on to and know that we're holding on to something that's faithful, that's true and permanent. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withers and, and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Or in Matthew 24, verse 35, heaven and earth, earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. It's permanent. You know, if this, let's say, if this church is still here in 100 years' time, um, I'm sure there'll be lots of things that have changed by then. You know, we, we might be singing different songs. Um, the talks might be different, might be delivered through interactive holograms, I don't know. Um, and I know this is controversial, but even the way we lay the chairs out <laughs> might have changed. Some of you are on the setup team and you're like, not on my watch. <laughs> anyway, I can just feel John's eyes burning. But the, the truth is that a lot of the way we do stuff here, here, here could change. Um, but there are some things that won't. We'll always open the Bible and study it together on Sundays. We'll always pray and worship. We will, we will regularly celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we will always, always, always have two baskets coming around during the break. <laughs> no, just joking about the last one. But the others, I can be really bold and confident about that. And the reason I can is because we, we get those things from the Bible. Those are, are things that God has given us um, uh, as an instruction of how to do church. And that underpins the way we do stuff. Everything else, it's, it's tradition, it's models, it's a way of doing things for a time. It's up for discussion. But the Bible underpins the way we do church. It's our, it's our plumb line. It's like, a, it's like a, a spirit level. And in life, we all experience points, don't we, where, where we need something steady like that to hold on to. There may be people in this room right now who are just reeling in the midst of personal circumstances and you need something level to hold on to. Um, if you're waiting to, to hear from God in that, then this is the first place to look for that. You know, over the last few weeks, in our nation, we've seen that our society can't provide us with that type of stability. Our government, for example, is powerful and as established as it is, is, is reeling at the moment from the resignation of, of, of our prime minister and other senior politicians, our, the mighty sterling, our currency's value has yo-yoed in that time. Even our beloved football team got dumped out of the Euros by some part-timers from Iceland. That's the pattern of our world. It's built on these shifting foundations. But this book, it's, it's going nowhere, is it? It's solid as a rock. This week, we were, we were praying um, as a staff team, um, reflecting partly on the times that we live in. And um, Ali, who, who works here at the church, shared, shared these words from Psalm 146. And as I read this, just reflect on the context that we're in at the moment as a nation, as I read these words. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, immortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground, and on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever. 
He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the alien and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever. Now, I don't think you could write something that was more fitting and more comforting for this nation at this time. But those words were written 3,000 years ago. It's incredible, isn't it? But I think it's, it's the fact that, that this book is so permanent and so unchanging that explains why sometimes you know, it says things that will jar with the, the values of our culture. It's always done that, and it always will. From the, from the shifting, unstable worldview that our, that our culture offers us, people will look at the Christian faith and the Bible message, and, and there are some things, maybe like the way the Bible talks about sexuality and gender, or the way the Bible talks about money and generosity, um, many other examples too, where people will look at what the Bible says, and they'll say, really? You really think that in this day and age? How can you expect people to, to live that way? In this day and age, it just doesn't seem right. But I want to put it to you that it's, 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 the Bible is the thing that's right. It's the culture around it that's all squiffy. It's a bit like um, m the house that we live in. It's a fairly old house, and, and lots of the walls are wonky, and the ceilings are all over the place as well. And so whenever I try and put up like a shelf or a picture rail or put in a fireplace or something like that, I, I get my spirit level out, and I get it, you know, perfect, um, and then my wife, Abby, comes along to survey the work, and she stands back and she looks at it and she's like, no, just doesn't look right. And I think what's happening is that she's looking at this um, DIY masterpiece in the context of the squiffy walls and the wonky ceiling and c concluding, you know, there's something not right here. And I'm saying, no, that is the only thing that's level in the room. And I think that's what the Bible is like in our culture. And that's why we've, we've got to share it with the people around us. Because as we do, it's as, though, it's as though we take hold of this lifeline with one hand and we offer a hand of support with the other. Like Shakira did for her father. She held onto this lifeline with one hand and it became her father's as she reached out to him. And we get to do that too. We can say, Take my hand, I'm stood on something solid. I've got hold of a lifeline. Jesus told us in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And I think this little section of Jesus' teaching really brings us into the final thing that I wanted to say, why I love the Bible. And that is that it's not just a source of life, and it's not just a lifeline, it's also a lifestyle that we can live. If you read the rest of those words in, in Matthew 7, he continued, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain um, fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So in this passage, um, the wise and the foolish person, they both heard the same message. The difference between them was that one chose to live it out and the other one didn't. And so I think what Jesus was saying is that, the, that Jesus, his followers at the church will be filled with, with these two types of people, those that hear God's words 
and do it and live it out and those that don't. And I suppose the question is, which type do you want to be? Because the Bible couldn't be clearer about this principle as it says in, in James chapter 1, verse 22, that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. And as we look at it, this Bible is a, a very, very practical book. Um, and I think this is one of the things that I love about being part of this church. Um, I think, for me, it's probably the reason I, I, after coming here for a while, that I chose to stay here, is that, is that this church really looks to, to live out this book. Everything, for example, that we've looked at over the last few weeks in this Being Church series, from being a compassionate church, a worshipping church, city-influencing, naturally supernatural, prayerful church, worshipping church, serving church, and on and on. All of that stuff is stuff that we do, not just because we think it's a good idea, but because we get it from the Bible. We're trying to practically live out a biblical lifestyle. But in order to do that, you need to actually engage with the book, don't you? We need to, to work, to understand a little bit of what it's telling us to do in our time and in our place and apply it to our lives. And if, we, if we're willing to do that, we'll find that, that everything we need is, is in here, in the pages. In, in 2 Timothy, one of the letters that Paul sent to this young church leader, um, uh, he said, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. So it's all in here. But it turns out that extracting the guidance doesn't come out without a little bit of effort on our part. There are things that we need to do to help us with that. So for example, um, it helps to do what we're doing right now, coming to church so that we can open the Bible and have a look at it together. Um, but the thing that I really want to encourage you to, to, to sort of be refreshed in today and to really embrace is to, is to push into reading the Bible for yourself in your devotional life. Um, if you're doing that, if you're in a really good groove of that at the moment, that's awesome, keep going. If you've kind of got out of the groove a little bit, I wanna sort of spur you on and fan it into flame and go, come on, let's, let's do it together. Um, and I've just got a few little practical tips that might help with that. It might help you um, to use some kind of devotional tool. Um, when it comes to these kind of things, I'm a bit old school. I like reading these books where you get like a little bit of the Bible every day. Um, so there's like just a couple of examples of those. There's one by John Stott, Through the Bible, Through the Year, that I've been finding amazing. And Simon Gilbo's got a great one that I've also been looking at quite a bit this year. Um, but for you, um, it might not be um, books. You might be a bit more modern, um, in which case there are some great phone apps as well that you can use. So there's the Bible in One Year app from Alpha International. Um, and then there's the um, version app. And, and those have got... Different, trans, um, different translations, I think, in both of them. But also, you can listen to the Bible on those. So if you find reading difficult, you can just listen to it and make some notes as you go, or listen to it in the car or whatever. So those are great. Um, there's a great website that UCB, a charity called UCB run, where they've got this Word for Today resource that you can get delivered to you online or in the post, and that's totally free. There are loads of great things out there. And what I've done, actually, um, you might be interested in, I've got this little sheet that I've made with just a few different resources um, for reading the Bible that I've found useful. From Some are really good for beginners, some are really good for people who are a bit more involved, and you can pick them up at the Connect area, as well as I've got some examples of, of, of copies of these books if you wanted to have a look at them. 
Um, another thing that you might be really interested in is something that lots of people here have been blessed um, in doing the last um, year or so, is a Bible community experience. What this is, you get together with a bunch of people, and over a period of 40 days, you read through the New Testament in this book that lays it all out in a really easy-to-read way, and then you get together each week with those people, and you just share what the Bible is saying to you, and it's something where even if you've never read the Bible before, it works. It's really easy to pick up. So if you'd be interested in, in coming along to one of those or organising to get involved, go to the Connectair again, leave your name, or contact Dave Miller at trentvineyard.org, and we'll get you hooked up. So... Those really are just a few um, practical resources. Oh, one, one other one, actually. We've got some exploring faith packs at the back that have also got some um, guidance on how to read the Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one tonight to take away. So go to the Connectera to pick all that stuff up. But all of those practical things, I hope that they might be helpful for you. Um, but I, I really hope, I don't want them to be the main thing that you take away tonight. Because the main thing that I wanted to really focus on was the thing that I started of not just engaging our head when it comes to the Bible, but, but tonight engaging our hearts and asking you the question, how do you feel about the Bible? Do you, do you love it? And if you do, do you love it as much as you always have? And are you willing, as we leave tonight, to invite the Holy Spirit to, to refresh and open your heart um, to desire um, the Bible in a new way? Wouldn't it be amazing if, if we went away with some of that desire that Brother Yun had for reading the Bible, would you want some of that if it was available to you? Because I believe it is. Um, but what it takes is for us to be willing to ask for it, to open our hearts and say, would you, would you give me a hunger, a renewed hunger for your word, Lord? And, and as we read it, he's gracious. He'll bless us. He'll help us to understand it. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And enable us to experience it and then live it.